You mentioned Matthew Kachuk. Just what can you say from your vantage point of what you saw as he was able to find the back of the net? <laughs> that guy is a... And then you put a long string of profanity, gamer. Is, is he not a gamer? Like, I had time how many times he did that in Calgary to us in Winnipeg. Drive me crazy. How he could just, out of nowhere, pull a puck. So, I don't know, there's, what, 700 guys in the league, 600 and... 40 of them jam that thing as fast as they can at the net and lose it, and he pulls it across. Right, he's got... He's just a gamer. <laughs> it's Paul Maurice, head coach of the Florida Panthers, uh, talking about his gamer, Matthew Kuchuk, last night, the overtime heroics on the uh, the botched play uh, by Linus Allmark. Nine times out of ten, he just lets that puck go or pushes it along instead uh, reverses it, the turnover to Kachuk, who, to Paul Maurice's point, doesn't rush the shot, takes it across, and buries it. The Florida Panthers win uh, to skate another day, and that series is now 3-2 heading back uh, to sunrise. You know, there's a um, there's going to be an interesting race because one race is already done, and that is the Hart Trophy, and we all know who's getting the Hart Trophy. That one's an obvious one, but there's another race. Like, the runner-up, in this year's Hart Trophy race is much more interesting than the actual Hart Trophy race itself. That's going to be Connor McDavid, period. Now, to me, the most curious thing is who's the runner-up? That is a race in and of itself. And we're not supposed to talk about our ballots. We're encouraged not to for a number of different reasons. Uh, so I'm not going to say where I had Matthew Kachuk on my ballot. But I put it this way. When all the ballots are revealed, I don't think where I have Matthew Kachuk is going to be in the minority. This was one of those seasons for Matthew Kachuk where everybody realized he wasn't just the byproduct of playing on the best line in hockey. Lindholm, Goudreau, and Kachuk was the best line in hockey last season, full stop. But this was a season where Matthew Kachuk distinguished himself and had a season for the ages. And I don't think there's any reason to believe that that's going to stop. You know, we talk a lot on this show and we talk a lot on the podcast with Elliot about the old Mark Bergevin line. And if you haven't heard it, I'll say it again. There are players that get you there and there are players that get you through. And sometimes players can do both. And that's when you know you have someone really special. And you get the sense of listening to Paul Maurice last night after the win that he understands that Matthew Kachuk is both. Very much both. And I think we all wondered at what point this series was going to turn into not the Boston Bruins versus the Florida Panthers, but the Boston Bruins versus Matthew Kachuk. I know that Bobrovsky was excellent. He really, really was last night uh, for this team. But this is the Matthew Kachuk show with the Florida Panthers. The Bruins still lead the series 3-2. Betting favorites still to close this one out after the regular season they had and all the trophies on the horizon for them, etc., etc., etc. But good on the Florida Panthers for not going into Boston and rolling over. And maybe when you have Matthew Kachuk on your team, it's impossible to do that. One more point that I want to make, and I'll pick up this conversation with Elliot in a couple of moments. So Florida wins 4-3 in overtime. Seattle Kraken stunned the Colorado Avalanche at Ball Arena. 3-2 is the final score there. Yanni Gord with the game winner. Um, but we've talked a lot, and we always do, around this time of year about goaltenders. 
Goaltenders make headlines. They are great instant storylines because you're going from one performance to the next, usually with only one game in between. So we've talked plenty about Akira Schmidt and how he's grabbed the uh, the number one responsibility between the pipes for the New Jersey Devils. That has been a great story. We've talked a lot about him saving the New Jersey Devils in the playoffs. We've talked a lot about Jay Gottinger with the Dallas Stars, who is probably the best goaltender in the playoffs. Come again, see what he did last year against Calgary, and see what he's doing this year against Minnesota. Ottinger, I know you're going to roll your eyes when I make the comparison again, but I think we're seeing the next version of Carey Price in Jake Ottinger. We've talked about Andre Vasilevsky, and where has old Vasilevsky gone, and have the Maple Leafs figured him out? Again, it's the fool that bets against Tampa, And the fool that bets against Vasilevsky, I don't think anyone would be surprised if he pulls out a performance for the ages tonight. We will see. We've talked about Leah Samsonov for the Toronto Maple Leafs and his emergence um, as a number one and keeping the Maple Leafs specifically in Game 3 and for large chunks of Game 4 as well. We've talked about Antti Ranta with the Carolina Hurricanes and what he's been able to do, you know, staring down his nemesis, Ilya Sorokin, at the other end of the ice. We've talked about Philip Gustafson. And the Minnesota Wild and their decision not to go with the rotation, but to stick with one. And yes, I know it was made easier after Marc-Andre Fleury had that game, which he said on his own admission was embarrassing in game two. And we've talked plenty about the Edmonton Oilers and Stuart Skinner. But there's one goaltender that we haven't talked about. And this might be the goaltender who is most important to his team. And this team might be doing or in the process of doing the most stunning thing in the playoffs to date, yet he's not getting any headlines at all. Yet maybe he's turning in the most impressive performance. This is where we're going to start the conversation with Elliot in a moment. We really, I mean really, need to be talking more about Philip Grubauer of the Seattle Kraken. Seattle wins last night, and once again, for a lot of people, yours truly included, With all due respect to all those members of the Kraken on the blue line and up front, this is the Philip Grubauer story. Let's start the show, and we'll start with the Kraken. What a game that was. Welcome to the program. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Also coming up on the program today, bottom of the hour, Linda Cohen from ESPN. Uh, She's in Vegas, Game 5, Vegas Golden Knights and the Winnipeg Jets. I'm going to have about a cozy 10 minutes. He's a very busy man, after all. uh, With Marty Walsh, the executive director of the NHL Players Association. That's coming up at the top of hour two. Mike Zeisberger uh, of NHL.com will get us all set for the Toronto Maple Leafs as they look to, and fingers crossed for them, they do, Close out the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight and uh, also going to play a clip from a podcast that we just put out. We recorded a couple of weeks ago in Ottawa, our conversation with Jordan Martinuk of the Carolina Hurricanes. Meanwhile, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada kicks it off once again. Hello, Frege. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing very well. I, I sort of, before you came on here, I, I ran down a list of goaltenders that we've talked plenty about, whether it's Ottinger, whether it's Skinner, whether it's Smead, whether it's Samsonov and Vasilevsky and Gustafson, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I was, I was thinking about this last night before I went to bed after watching that Seattle-Colorado game. Maybe the goaltender we should be talking most about who's having the biggest impact for his team and he's been consistently good is Philip Grubauer. Former Av, playing with Seattle, last season was, by his or any other standards, awful. 
but he's had a bounce back year and having a real bounce back playoffs as well. To me, the Kraken story, and there's a few of them, but to me, the biggest one has been how this guy's keeping them in every single game. Now they find themselves heading back to Climate Pledge Arena and they might be able to close out the defending Stanley Cup champion as injured and suspended as they may be, Colorado Avalanche. Are we all guilty of ignoring maybe the best goaltending story in the playoffs, Philip Grubauer, right now? Well, I'm not guilty of anything, but I think you are. Uh, no, I, I, uh, there's no question that, that Grubauer, I think that the thing about Grubauer is it's probably the most unexpected because, you know, they're, as well as Seattle played this year, you know, their goaltending wasn't great. And uh, even though I think they really did believe that they were, that Grubauer was key to the success, I think of all the goalies um, that have performed so far in the playoffs, he's probably the one who's been, who's elevated the most from what he was in the regular season. Um, you know, Bobrovsky, yeah. had, I think, I think Bobrovsky has a chance to enter the conversation now. He stole that game for yeah. Florida last night. Um, if, you know, if he can, if he and the Panthers can push the Bruins to seven, I think it vaults him right at that conversation. But there's no question in my mind that the guy who um, has been the best compared to what he was during the year is Grubauer. 26 saves last night, Seattle Kraken win. Um, Yanni Gord with uh, what turned out to be the, the game-winning goal. And, you know, that last, like, two minutes of that game last night, and it all started with um, there was a, a uh, Evan Rodriguez save as uh, Colorado pulled the goaltender, but a minute 45. You know, it was, it, was, it was incredible. So Evan Rodriguez plays net. Yanni Gord just blasts one, and Rodriguez yeah. stops it. And then the onslaught begins for Colorado uh, – I know I'm mentioning Grubauer again, but he was really good in that in- entire sequence. Um, Nathan McKinnon, his yep. final shift was 255. JT Comfort, 255. Um, Miko Rantanen, 255. Like their tongues are hanging out. Colorado desperately trying to tie this thing up and, and get it into extra chuckers. Adam Larson, 235 shift. Jamie Alexiak, 227 shift. That yep. was a wild finish to what was a wild game. And unfortunately for Colorado, they lose Josh Manson, who left in the, uh, I think it was the second period with a lower body injury. So just some wide brush thoughts on what we saw last night. Well, I mean, those last shifts remind me of uh, like when I played house league hockey, right? You know, the three-minute buzzer. Okay, everybody's now on for yeah. three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but stakes were a little higher. Things, stakes were a little higher last night. Just a little, just a little bit. Um, a couple of things I thought, you know, the, about the whole thing were really interesting. Um, you know, obviously the the Ty Cartier story. Um, that's you know yeah. that's the, that was an incredible one. His parents, uh, Nick Nick Kotsunika wrote a great story on it for NHL.com today about how his parents were able to, um, you know, they, I guess they live in Kingston. They drove to. Uh, uh, Toronto flew down there. Um, I guess they, they they were in the cab on the way to the rink for their son's first shift, and I guess uh, one of their brothers FaceTimed the TV so they could watch the shift in the cab. And then, of course, he scores. Great, Great story. Um, you know, when the Colorado second goal with three minutes left hit two guys and then went in, I was like, ah. Oh, Seattle's doomed tonight. Like, this is not their night, and they held on. But, 
You know, the thing I thought about actually, Kirk, was something that you said yesterday, and that is, you know, on the on the Karche goal, um, McKinnon stops playing. And, you know, one of the things you talk yeah. about is you don't do that. You play to the whistle. And I, I know McKinnon was upset. And he thought there should have been a call. But whether or not you think there's a call, you got to play. You cannot stop playing. And and uh, that led to a huge goal that, that – uh, was the margin of victory for the Kraken. You know, we, we, we saw that in the L.A. Edmonton series with uh, with the high stick. Did it touch? Um, did it touch Gabe Velarde's stick or not? And Connor McDavid stops playing and points at the stick. And, you know, the Oilers freeze. And next thing you know, Trevor Moore is scoring it. And L.A. is off, uh, off to the victory. And I saw yep. this last night. And I'll be honest with you, uh, Elliot, I thought the exact same thing. This is Edmonton, L.A., Gabe Velarde, and the mystery puck all over again. Like, I understand the frustration, slamming his stick on the glass, and I've just been tripped. And then he just kind of straight-legged it to the bench, too. Like, it was, it was, a, it was a very non-Nathan McKinnon-type play. Like, it was mm-hmm. McKinnon in that, like, he's emotionally engaged in every single moment. But mm-hmm. when have you not seen that guy skate hard? Like I was just, I was just stunned that it was like the slow walk back to the bench at a crucial time of the game. I think it shows how discombobulated Colorado is. That um, mm-hmm. you know, not that, not that they're like. I, I think I don't even think it's the fact that they're losing the series and Seattle's giving them a tough series. I, I think they've acknowledged that that's happened. But the, you know the way it's the way it's kind of happening around them. Um, Makar's suspension, uh, Landeskog not being there. Um, you know the the whole Nichushkin not being available and, and probably not being available at all. Um, you know I, I think it's not only that they're they're in trouble. It's just kind of how like so many things have happened that you sit there and you say. Like, you know, in a season, weird things are going to happen to you, right? And adversity is going to be thrown your way. Well, it's really being piled on them at the worst possible time. So I'm sure that that's got the avalanche discombobulated as much as anything. Uh, true. Like, on the one hand, you have to give it to the Seattle Kraken, who aren't there just for some playing time. And look, we've made the playoffs in a successful season. Uh, they want to do some damage here. And. Um, I, I think a lot of things have you know, a, a lot of things have gone wrong. I don't know, wrong. A lot of things have gone sideways. There's been a lot of adversity thrown Colorado's way uh, in these playoffs. Meanwhile, you mentioned the Florida Panthers and the Boston Bruins. Uh, stunner here. We all thought we we're going back to Boston. Boston would wrap things up. We get the hands out of the gloves. We see shakes, uh, handshakes at center ice. Uh, not so fast. Not only. Did Sergei Bobrovsky have other plans? But Matthew Kachuk did as well. And Paul Maurice, after just, you know, gushing about how much of a gamer he is and how, you know, 80% of the NHL, when they have that, uh, the, the puck on their stick, the way that Kachuk did, they just try to force the shot. And Kachuk hangs on to it a little bit and buries the OT winner. And, you know, we wondered when this thing was going to become Matthew Kachuk versus the Bruins. You know, I think we kind of got there a few games ago. And,. You know, I was referencing off the top the, the Mark Bergevin point about players that get you there and players that get you through. And when you look at the season yep. that Matthew Kachuk had, and we're going to see, like, the, the real race for the Hart Trophy is who finishes number two. That's the real race. Number one's already taken care of, and I think Kachuk is real high. But yeah. Matthew Kachuk is both those players. He's the guy that gets you there, and he's the guy that gets you through. And this is, you know, another chapter in the uh, the, the long book 
That is the Kachucks in hockey. That was another impressive performance by Kachuk last night. It was. Uh, you know, Bobrovsky, like I wasn't sure that Bobrovsky was the right choice, but Paul Maurice was, was right about that one. There's no question. He was he was great, and, and he's the reason that they're playing another day. Um, I, I'm still amazed, Jeff, that you can have a, a D-zone a, a, a draw with, with it, it was 7.7 seconds left. And that turns into a breakaway the other way. Like, <laughs> when does that ever happen? And then you, Ekblad, you thought I, the, I think you it thought would, the, yeah. Ekblad, I don't think it would have counted, Jeff, but he, sw- he swiped the puck dangerously close I know. to the net. Yeah. yeah. I think it was too late, though. That would have. That 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 would have that would have been a crusher. Um, but you and I were thinking the exact same thing. I think everybody was thinking like, "Oh wow, this is a total Brad Marchand moment," where mm-hmm. you know he he starts to break away like four seconds or three and a half seconds left, and Bobrovsky gets that right pad out there fast. But he had that corner picked. That thing was going. That had Brad Marchand and Boston Bruins signature written all over it. And I'm with you. Like I think that. If the Florida Panthers can do this, if they can do this, much like if the Edmonton Oilers can knock off the Los Angeles Kings, I think we'll look at that Jack Campbell save against Victor Arvidsson and say, that's the series right there. If Florida can do this, we're going to look back on that Bobrovsky save on Marchand and say, that was the series right there for the Florida Panthers. Otherwise, that thing is over. Yeah, I'm with you, obviously. Um, I don't know. I think that... You know, the one thing is Florida was awful at home in games three and four. <laughs> I don't see the Bruins. I don't see the Bruins panicking here. I, I just think they're too mature. Um, you know, Florida got a great effort to like to stay alive. Like the Bruins dominated. You know, the Bruins had a lot of chances in that game that they kind of fumbled. They just didn't get. You know, considering yeah. some of the opportunities they had, they didn't. They fumbled at the end point. They overpassed, or they didn't get a great shot away. Like I don't think there's a lot of reason for the yeah. Bruins to panic here. So Florida's going to have to be great on Friday night to keep this alive. Um, speaking of great, there's a, a great night of hockey on the horizon as well here, and uh, the yep. Toronto Maple Leafs look to close out against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets look to stave off elimination. Uh, at the hands of the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Vegas is at home. Toronto is at home. Um, how did that... Uh, listen, Austin Matthews, right after that last game, said, like, look, game four is the hardest one to win. That's what we need to focus on here. No one's doing any victory laps, and, you know, no one should be, you know, measuring bridges to see if the floats can fit underneath them. No yeah. one should be doing that here. Game four has always been a tough one. Uh, how do you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Toronto Maple Leafs and... How much do you look at, you know, the? it's always interesting, the stories that emerge when you have the extra day, and now the stories about Vasilevsky and the shots from the point and Derek Malone in the, in the intermission talking about re-strategizing based on him having a hard time finding pucks from distance and what happened to the old Vasilevsky, etc. It's amazing what happens with an extra day's worth of media. How do you look at this series right now? Well, I mean, like this city, like you, you can feel it, Jeff. Like, uh, you know, uh, we went out for a, a quick bite after the game last night. And, and I, I just even doing my walk, walking around my neighborhood this morning, like, you know, you can feel it. They, this city is ready to erupt. Like they think it's different. And, 
Um, you know, I, I'm with Matthews. I think recent history has proven that you you don't celebrate anything until the number four is in the W column. But, you know, you can feel it here. These people are excited, um, you know, because there haven't been a lot of wins the last few years the way that Toronto won in games three and four. Um, like, you know, I, like I, I think – like, I think Tampa's going to give them a lot tonight. Uh, like, it's a team yeah. with a lot of pride. Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting to me, like, re- reading what Vasilevsky had to say yesterday, it's pretty clear to me that he knows he hasn't been to his level and he's going to want to fix that. Um, I, I think tonight is going to be – like, it was funny. Like, one of my friends who's, like, the biggest Leaf pessimist that there is, he's like, he's like, we're, we're, he's like, we're winning by four goals tonight. And I'm going, like, what is wrong oh, with geez. you? Like, how can you make that kind of prediction? <laughs> and he's just not – even I think they're going to win this time. But, I like, I like like I think, like, this game – like, every year these games get hugely anticipated, right? I, I, sure. I, like, like, Jeff, like – I don't know what your neighborhood's like, but where I live, like they're ready to burst. They they really are. They yeah. they think this is different, and I think this is going to be an incredible scene tonight. I I really do. One way or the other, it's just going to be an incredible. Yeah. Like someone sent me a note this morning in my my DMs. They said that the tickets for the uh, Maple Leaf Square right next to the arena they were gone like that. Like the moment they became available, for sure they were gone. It's going to be. Tonight's going to be a scene in downtown Toronto one way or the other. So, you know all too well, and we saw this uh, earlier this series, uh, when John Cooper stood up for his his centers and said, I'll take these three guys against anyone uh, in yeah. the NHL. And then quickly, you know, mic, mic drop and I'm out. I got what I needed here. I got my motivation for my guys. Um, John Cooper is the uh, the master mental manipulator. What yeah. does he do tonight? Like is is it as simple as the Vasilevsky challenge? Like what what is it here? Like how does how does Cooper handle his teams? We've watched him for a number of years, and I have a hard time believe believing that Cooper doesn't do something or doesn't have a note or a story or something that he's plucking here with these players. Well, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be uh, either Vasilevsky. Actually, it might be both. It's probably Vasilevsky, and it's probably yeah. people are like the Leafs are better than you. Like it's over. It's it's some combination of both. Like there's there there's no question uh, about that. But one of those two things. I the other thing too is, I don't think in situations like this, there's a lot of motivating that you need to do. You know, like the Tampa players, they're champions for a reason. They, they know what everybody's saying about them. They they know what's out there. Um, and look, like for a lot of the last two games, they have been the better team. They just uh, they're oh, like yeah. the 1980 they're like the 1983 Blue Jays, man. Like Joey McLaughlin's coming in and blowing the games. Like it's just uh, like you know, like they they've had those two games under control, and they haven't been able to close them. Yeah. And like that's like nobody needs to tell those guys anything. They know what the score is. And that's what made 1985 so sweet, though, Elliot, when they came back. Yes, Tom oh, yeah. Hankey. Finally, the sweet spot for the Blue Jays. 
Um, okay, so um, so that's that. And the Winnipeg Jets also look to uh, look to try to fight for another day here, facing off against the Vegas Golden Knights. We talked yesterday about the bad news and you know the uh, the Mark Shifley situation. Maybe some good news on the horizon. Uh, we may, in fact, see Nick Ehlers tonight in a Winnipeg Jets uniform on the ice with his team. We haven't seen him since uh, the Minnesota game where he was greeted violently by Ryan Hartman. Uh, yeah. your, thoughts, your thoughts on this one? I mean, this is this is a really tough sled here for, for Winnipeg. We talked yesterday about the Josh Morrissey situation. The other day, I can't remember, about the Josh Morrissey situation and how hard it is when you lose your number one D, how much it just totally scrambles your entire team. Uh, your thoughts on this one? Jets, Golden Knights, Vegas can close out with a win tonight. You know, I, I just think that um, like I think Winnipeg has given it everything they can they have. I, I cannot fault their effort, but they're undermanned. You know, Vegas is healthy; they're not, and it's a, it's a huge difference when you put the rosters next to each other in terms of what Vegas can do now and what the Jets can do now. And I and I don't think that's a negative against Vegas. Like that's part of the playoffs. Um, you you take advantage of weakened opponents. I, I don't have any problem with that. I, I just think that if this is going to go back to Manitoba, Hellebuck's going to have to steal it. You know, the, the one thing that's happened in this yeah. series is that, you know, Hellebuck hasn't stolen a game yet for them. The one win was a great defensive clinic uh, by the Jets. And, you know, you heard Brassois talk about how um, it was motivating to him the other day in game four when the fans were chanting, you're a backup, Adam. And he's elevated. He's yeah. gotten to the level he needs to go. Like, Brassois doesn't need to be superhuman. He's got to be one save better than the other guy. And he's been that guy so far. So I, yeah. I think I think if this is going to go back, Hellebuck's got to steal one for them. So he, here's my over-under for you, my, uh, my wagering friend. Um, okay. Neil Pionk, over over or under 30 minutes tonight? Ooh, that's a good one. I will take I will take the over cuz I like overs. I I'll take the over on this one all day long. I mean, I think it depends on the score, but if it's if it's anywhere close. Like I I really feel for this guy cuz every time I watch him now with Mauricio, it looks like he's trying to do the job of like two or three different defensemen all at the same time, like you Doesn't know, he have like seven points players, too. Okay, we, we got to pick up the slot. Uh, he does. He has seven assists in four games. He's yeah. having a heck of a series, and he's doing such a heavy. I have so much time for what we're seeing out of Neil Pionk. Like he's trying to say, like, okay, I can, I can, I'm doing my best to make up for this here. You know, we always talk about players are like, okay, get on my back and try to do this. I'm not going to insult like Brendan Dillon and Dylan Demello and these guys and um, and say that he's completely carrying the blue line, but he sure is trying to. Like I, I, I got to really give hats off to Neil Pionk here. He's He's doing an amazing job trying without Josh Morrissey in the lineup to, to, to get this blue line working. Yeah, you know, like, but that, you know, I'm not surprised. Like, that's what it's all about. Um, you know, someone goes out and someone steps up and, like, like I can't, I can never fault a guy like that. I think you're totally right. He's trying to give them everything yeah. that they need and it's impossible. Like I, Like, I don't even think the reason the Jets are losing is because the replacements have played bad. I don't think that's the case at all. I, th- I think it's just, you know, you, you lose your number one D, you lose your number one center, um, you know, you lose a, a, a top offensive yeah. forward in Ehlers. 
Like you just, you, you can't, like they're losing positions you can't replace. Like that's the problem here. And like nobody who's come in has given them a bad effort or hasn't, you know, uh, hasn't done what they're supposed to do. It's just what you're losing. It's impossible to replace. And I, I appreciate mm-hmm. Pionk giving them the extra effort. It's just, you can't replace that. It's that simple. Yeah. He's giving it everything. Uh, what do you expect in the Rangers? We'll end on this one. What do you expect in the Rangers-Devils? I mean, nobody can win at home. Uh, the venue shifts back to the Prudential Center, the Rock. So uh, New Jersey's at home in this one. We've seen Gerard come and come out. Gerard Gallant come out and challenge his team. And, you know, Lindy Ruff is feeling, you know, right chuffed about, you know, Jack Hughes and Akira Schmidt, etc. I have no idea what to expect in Game 5 tonight. This series is now a, a best two out of three, and I have no clue what to expect this evening. Well, I think the pressure is really on the Rangers. I do. I think that, you know, you're, you're up to nothing. Uh, you're going home. You're facing a rookie goalie, and you lose twice. Um, so, like, that's, that's a bad outcome. It's not a disaster uh, because there's still plenty of time left in the series, but it's a bad outcome. And, you know, your, your coach calls you out and – uh, and, and like I said, you have, it was talked about on the pod, you have a very volatile owner. So I, I think the pressure is really on the Rangers uh, in this series. I think I wouldn't say the Devils are playing with house money because um, they're the higher seed and they had a good season and things were expected. But I think they can be afford to be a bit more comfortable and a bit more relaxed than the Rangers would be. But look, like they got called out, you know, when, when, when you get called out by someone, you have to respond and not respond in, by the way you talk, but respond by the way you play. And I, that's why I think it's this one is, is not so much about the Devils. It's a lot about the Rangers. Let me finish, though, by asking you about one devil. And I know this has been a, a very low-scoring series for the New Jersey Devils, only two goals in the, the first two games. But... Um, when you look at Timo Meyer and four games, no goals, no assists, do you look at that and say, wow, Timo Meyer is underperforming or look out, Timo Meyer is due? I, why can't you say both? Because I'm only giving you one of the two options. That's how we do talk oh, radio. Well, you have to well, polarize yourself. You've got to dig in your heels. <laughs> this is... Uh... This is your show, so I will follow your rules. I, look, he's, he's <laughs> okay. He's very under, good. He's he's un, he's under your he's underperforming. Like you can't do that if you're, you know, if you're. Yeah. It's it's the great Gary Galley story. He tells me about Cam Neely. Cam Neely was not scoring mm. once in Boston, and mm. Harry Sinden came down to talk to him, and he said, "Hey, uh, Cam, uh, you're not scoring any goals." And he said, I'm getting lots of great chances. I know I'm going to get one. And Harry Sinden stops him and says, hey, I'm not paying you to get great chances. I'm paying you to score. And Gary said, he was like, wow, like what a conversation. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, like, at this t- like I said it last night with Alex Lyon and Sergei Bobrovsky, right? Like on one level, I felt yeah. really badly for Alex Lyon because he got them there. And I would have liked to have seen him get the opportunity to finish the job. But at this time of year, there's, there's no room for, oh, that would be a nice story. Like, you have, to, you have to make ruthless decisions. You have to do, no matter what happened, you have to do what you can do 
to win a playoff game and win a playoff series. So at this time of year, it's not about what's nicer. Um, you know, things can change. It's about do you perform or do you not perform? And that's why when you see nothing next to Timo Meyer after four games, you can say, yeah, he's due. But the bigger thing at this time of year is what you say is, hey, Timo, like, we need you here. Yeah. you you got to perform. This is why we brought you in. Although I do, I do have a have a sense that at this time tomorrow we're going to be having the conversation about has Timo Meyer now broken out and what does that mean for the New York Rangers in there for the rest of this series? Uh, we'll means, see what happens. It means it's bad um, for listen, them if that happens. This, uh, listen, uh, have a great afternoon. Chill out. It's going to be a wild night of hockey. The Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets trying to stave off elimination against the Vegas Golden Knights, and then we'll do a podcast at stupid o'clock whenever the uh, whenever the games wrap <laughs> up. So uh, get your rest and hydrate. It's going to be a big night. Don't tell me what to do, Jeff. Yeah, I always do, and you love it. There he is, Elliot Friedman from Thirty Two Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, hit a break. I want to get back on the uh, the Vegas Winnipeg Jets page here. Uh, Linda Cohen from ESPN is going to stop by in a couple of moments. She's in Vegas for Game Five. Uh, between these two squads, expectations, injuries, etc., the market, the coaches, the teams, the vibes. Uh, we'll get all that from uh, from Linda Cohen from ESPN. Also, top of the hour, um, have a window with Marty Walsh, executive director of the NHL Players Association. So we'll uh, take him up on the offer. Also, Mike Zeisberger from NHL.com. We'll get on the Maple Leafs Tampa Bay Lightning uh, page, what to look for there. And then you'll hear from Jordan Martinook of the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, an interview that Elliot and I did uh, about two weeks ago uh, in Ottawa before the Hurricanes faced off against the Ottawa Senators. So lots to get to. Glad you're with us today. Um, thanks so much for uh, lending us your ears and your eyes. If you're watching on 360, uh, you're listening across the Sportsnet Radio Network. The show continues in a moment. Linda Cohen from ESPN on Vegas and Winnipeg in moments.